All right, y'all. So today we have Patty and Lucas of Patty, Prashela, and the Mayhaps. We are so excited uh, because they are the inspiration behind this podcast. guys are the reason we're doing this podcast so That's right it was i don't know how many months ago now six months ago probably <laughs> yeah it's true you guys played at the goshen brew in goshen indiana oh yeah love goshen and and uh you guys rocked the house and the next day i went i, I mean we i called them up i was like what do you think about this thing i got an idea and yeah. uh yeah you guys are are the good reason why um we, we kind of jumped into it and started. This has been a six month process. Yeah. Um, right now, you guys are our, our fourth um, band in the backlog because that's what we're doing right now is we're building a backlog before we just kind of launch um, the podcast before we have to put a ton of work into it. We want to be able to um, put one out a month and then if we could eventually get down to uh, once every two weeks or so yeah. um, that that would be the goal um justin and his wife is uh expecting here pretty soon so i don't know how much time he's gonna uh have to be able to do this so we're we're just kind of building that backlog right now and hoping to launch in january so um yeah. i was like well what better nice. band to talk about talk to and you know share uh the world with than patty Pershala and the mayhaps and so <laughs> i'm so pumped that you guys you know, jumped on with us today. Hey, thank you. Yeah. That that makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I didn't get to see you guys live. Uh, so Goshen's my hometown, but uh, I live in South Carolina now, um, just uh, north of Greenville. And uh, but Love Greenville. Soon, oh, so nice. And uh, as soon as Ryan, you know, was telling me about you, I got I got on. I was like. I told my wife, I'm like, you need to listen to this. It's fantastic. So we've really been digging you guys and uh, so excited. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we, we I, I think Ryan sent it to you earlier, like the updated pre-flight checklist. But we kind of have some questions that we just want to be able to, like, ask, uh, you know, recording and, and gigging guitarists, bassists to kind of help out up and coming aspiring musicians. Um, so like the first question, I guess, you know, just kind of like, what was a, um, like a, a breakthrough or like a aha moment either of you had, uh, that took you from kind of like a beginner to an intermediate in that learning process? <laughs> I think for me, I, I continue to have those moments all yeah. the time. So it's hard to like. <laughs> Hard to pin down one, but I will say that I remember when I was, I started playing when I was 15 mm -hmm. um, and I'm self-taught. Um, and once I overcame bar chords, I mean, I guess that's not an intermediate thing, but like, I feel like that was my moment where it was like, okay, I can do anything now that I can <laughs> do this. Cause that hurdle yeah. Like I I was cussing it out, you know, and at the time a good a good Christian girl yeah. cussing out my guitar every day once I was trying to get those bar chords. Yeah, I feel like if you can overcome that, you can regularly play guitar confidently. Yeah. So so did your voice come first, or did 
or, or was it a guitar? Like, did you discover your voice or, and then you put the guitar over that? Um, I think every instrument I play is pretty much meant to back up my voice. Um, I played piano for a number of years prior. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, it, it was always kind of a, a vessel for songwriting and, and singing. When, when you play bass and sing, it is amazing to me to see how effortless, effortless you make it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a really good actress. (laughs) Well, you're selling it, girl. Yeah. Thank you. I always feel like, um, you know, when they say Carlos Santana was tripping during his set at Woodstock and he felt like his guitar was a snake, I always feel like I'm I'm fighting my bass every show. Um, That's what all those expressions on my face are. (laughs) Where am I? Where am I at? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm straight sober, too. And I'm just Lucas, how about you, man? You uh you are clearly a shredder and you love your vintage <laughs> guitars. You you've oh, got some that, classic but... <laughs> rock roots, I think. Tell us uh, yeah. tell us about where you came from. You know, and and what uh your background in guitar. Um well, I think I started playing probably around the same age as Patty did just with um friends in high school a good friend of mine like was starting a band with some older kids and they had three guitar players and they only wanted two so they kicked him out and he was like well fine i'll just start my own band and he's like you (laughs) want to be in my band i was like sure (laughs) sure whatever dude (laughs) one of my siblings had gotten this just kind of crappy like walmart guitar for christmas one year and just wasn't really that into it so i just kind of picked that up for a while and was like no this is kind of this is cool at 15, no, I, so you you were doing garage band type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember... That seems... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember very, very familiarly um, the first time I ever got paid for a gig. <laughs> I was just with my friends. We didn't expect that, and the guy handed us a bunch of money, and we are just like, whoa. <laughs> Wait, we can make some money doing this? <laughs> yeah. That was so much fun. <laughs> awesome. That seems to be the common proving ground. I mean, if you're not in a band, at the very least, just practicing with other people, I don't think that your skills can really be sharpened as quickly as if you're just sitting in your bedroom with a looping pedal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how old were you guys? I mean, you so Lucas, you were 15, had a band, Patty, same age, or was it just kind of like a gradual thing for you joining bands? Um, Bands... I always knew I wanted one. Um, so when I was that age, I was writing songs about Harry Potter most of the time, um, also nice. known as the Wizard Rock community. Yeah. yeah. So I was playing at conventions um, and just writing songs about that because I was, you know, that's what I was into at the time. Um, and then after that, I started writing Muggle music, and you know, I tried to find <laughs> bands, but I, I always, the problem with me and bands has always been that I take everything a lot, like really serious. I was like, no, no, I'm trying to like make this is my life like that i'm serious about it like not like try not to be too serious about everything but it's like no we're not messing around we're not getting high at practice like we are trying to make art and i mean it's dependent i was in a stoner rock band that was essential you know that was part of it but like with with like our band like we're like we try to take it pretty seriously but not too seriously i guess so when i found him and i don't know we're very um 
we're complementary in that way. I feel like like we're both like very very opinionated, but usually aligned in our opinions. Yeah. So that's good. Usually he's looking like I don't know. It's helpful. <laughs> we're both very picky, but we have like yeah. a high high standard for ourselves and our music. I think. Is but. it easier for you guys being? Well, and I saw you guys as a three-piece. Do you guys usually stick to a three-piece, or do you ever add more um, uh, members fluidly, uh, I guess? We've always just been a three-piece. Um, Patty sometimes plays, like, solo shows. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. We like to keep it pretty minimal. Well, so we that, can... that kind of keeps some of that drama out, right? You know, you guys can have your uh, your your opinions and work through it without having you know three other people chiming in at the same time, right? So yeah, I mean yeah. that's not the reason. I think I, I've been in other bands before, and I think you know I, it's not like super, that's not like the biggest issue. Honestly, the biggest issue is fitting someone in the car and paying them enough so they can <laughs> so that we can all yeah. eat. It's much cheaper to have just three people in your band. Yeah, that's, and. That's, um, yeah. Honestly, I, and I'd like, I mean, you were stern about not having another guitar player when we started out, and mm. I didn't even play bass when we started writing music together, and I was like, okay, I'll learn bass, and now that I'm really into bass, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I don't got to push anybody out of the way so I can have fun playing this instrument, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not hanging back so two people can, like, I don't know. It, it's it's really fun for me to, like, play bass and rhythm at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys fill it out so well. Uh, your yeah. sound is so huge live. It's so much fun to uh, to listen to. That show in Goshen was was a riot because there were, you know, everybody was so into it. You guys had captured the audience. You know, there were kids like running all over. The, I think there was a kid about to run up on stage at some at one point. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was a blast. So um, when you when when did when did you guys really decide okay i we're going to we're going to take this to the next level we're we're going to and i th if i'm not if i'm not mistaken you guys uh moved to nashville right from grand rapids area is that correct yeah that's accurate yes. yeah so um so how did that work out and and when did you guys kind of decide to make that jump um well that was a that was a hard decision too, like because it's not just like, because it, it, it's just you know, moving together, like making that decision. Because you're like, we're not just doing the, you know, it's it it felt like okay, we're like we're not messing around with this you know small pond anymore. Yeah. Um, and and that's you know not a dig on Grand Rapids. The Grand Rapids music scene is I I love it. I miss it in a lot of ways. But um, you know, you don't go to Nashville unless you're just trying to push yourself. Um, mm -hmm. like proficiency wise honestly mm -hmm. and just like be, be serious and like you know try to hang because you're in very um everybody's doing their best down here like i've never seen a bad show um anyway for me it was like 2020 when i was like okay so we can either take a step back or we can dive into this and i i've always just used music as like a way to like sift through my feelings and just make some noise and you know a constructive way to let my anger and everything out um and so i just i had i really needed that that outlet in 2020 and i was just like we've kind of done 
everything I think that we can do in Grand Rapids. And then I was just like, what do you think? Do you want to move? And he just goes, yeah, this place is tapped. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Let's push know. the ceiling up, right? Basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just wanted to like physically go further like it was touring, you know? I mean, our goals are not that lofty or unattainable, mm-hmm. like, but I think we just needed, we, we didn't want to just be a Michigan band. Like I, now I feel like we're more Midwest with a little bit of South, depending on the yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe do you think who you're playing with as well, you know, who's in your lineup? Uh, Sorry, as, what what about that? Uh, your your cha- your your sound kind of moves fluidly between uh you know that uh, how your songs are played depending on how uh like who you're touring with like other bands maybe does that affect how you guys approach a show like um, who's on tour with you? Gotcha. Yeah, we haven't like toured alongside that many bands. I think the Accidentals would be the only one that I can think of regularly but i mean it changes it a little bit honestly we don't have that many songs to change it up all the time (laughs) anyway Mm -hmm. yeah i think we're up to like 16 songs Mm -hmm. of our own um and we we try to keep it interesting for ourselves too but um it definitely like working with them and um and touring with them has definitely changed my approach with a lot of things like I don't know. I, they made all the mistakes so I don't have to kind of thing. Um, so it's been really good. That's what they yeah. said to me. I love it. I'm like, okay. That's awesome. I'm sure I'll still make some, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, speaking of your your set list, I I mean, one of the things I've noticed is just your, your guys' ability to do these covers. I think I saw a cover of Moby Dick that you did uh that was just incredible. I mean, every single one of you, I mean, especially, is Alec your drummer? Um, he is the drummer on all of our recordings to date. Um, he okay. moved out to Washington, so okay. he is—he's just growing roots on the West Coast now. There you so go. we've been rocking with a couple different people yeah. trying to find the well, next fit. Whoever it was, I mean, they killed it, and then obviously both you, both of you guys, I mean, just did an incredible job. So I mean, kind of going with that, and then I'm obviously I've seen Patty. You do some covers with just the ukulele. I mean. It's incredible work. So what was that like kind of building that uh, list of cover songs? I mean, how did that benefit you, you know, as you're learning guitar, learning bass? I mean, like, what songs do you think learning them, what songs benefited you the most as as well as technical and just approaching, you know, music? (laughs) I don't know if I know a specific thing. When I suggest covers, a lot of the time I end up regretting it. (laughs) <laughs> because every time i i i try to play songs that are i think it's good to try to play songs that are beyond your ability yeah that kind of you know pressures you into learning new techniques and having to practice more just so that you're able to do them yeah um yeah um we recently started playing this uh pretenders song that was your uh, idea which was my idea um, it was uh, boots of Chinese plastic, um, and there's a lot of like banjo rolls on the guitar in that okay. song that I just can't really do, so I just kind of yeah. have to make do. But the, the original idea when I suggested that song was like, "Oh, I'm going to learn this new thing," and 
I still haven't gotten it down, but I think you sound good. I love it. Yeah. He's like, this song's so hard. I'm rocking eighth notes. No problem. No, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, I I definitely unlock something new every time I learn a song, especially on bass. Um and like learning bass and singing. Honestly, a lot of the songs that you've written have helped me more than covers but i will say that we do um oh my god we used to do that one song out of the black by royal blood when i when we that was one of the first songs i learned on bass and that whoo i was like okay so i can't phone this in because if i mess up that's a third of the band is messing up like that is Mm -hmm. (laughs) can't bury it as much um and then also just learning um on guitar when i was um gigging regularly as the fourth member of the accidentals um any of their songs helped me because i was like what the hell is this what's a 13 chord like she's like oh it's this i'm like okay so now i'm like writing like soul jazz stuff in my solo project i'm like i don't know where you know i'm a cowboy chords writer most of the time so that that's been helpful yeah yeah what's your guys's writing process look like or do you guys write lyrics and melodies first or Lucas, are you writing guitar parts first? What's that look like? Yeah. Um, mostly I think we write the music stuff first. Um, I usually tend to come up with pretty fleshed out arrangements for everything before I even, you know, present it to the rest of the band. Um, partly just cause that's what I'm into and partly cause I'll, I'd be too self-conscious to, <laughs> have just like oh here's a a one riff like let's make a song but um we i think both of us tend to just write songs kind of individually first and kind of flesh them out as much as we can before we kind of present them to the rest of the band Hmm. um so yeah i do a lot of like the arrangement stuff and but patty does all of the vocals and lyrics and melodies for that yeah it we really did like i like lock myself away with my songs like i remember spill i had the melody idea for that song for like months and i'd go to practice and i'd be like it goes like this (laughs) they're like is that what (laughs) so you're like Come on, I need a little more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like singing um, it like John Fogarty, like just uh, random. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just any lyric sounds silly the first time you like it's like reading your diary out loud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having a having a melody around it makes it easier and having a rhyme scheme makes it like easier and you can kind of like, you know, it doesn't feel as like bearing your soul as maybe just reading them like reading lyrics without music is always just like oh you know but like that's really stupid and weird um but yeah so i think we definitely work better or we traditionally have worked alone every once in a while we'll get like a groove thing or i'll like hear you practice i think uh ain't no damsel was like you were practicing a technique and i was like nope that's a song (laughs) we should make that a song you're like no lucas you're like no that's just a rudiment you know, <laughs> I feel that way every time we play it now. I'm just like, man, this song is so hard. <laughs> Why did well, I do this? So I, I think of that when I hear uh, Midnight Line. It's mm-hmm. 
how do, how do you count that? Like, am I, is it way easier than I, I, no. I like, I, I can't yes. even count it. Um, so if, if any of our songs has a really great, like, guitar hook, that's Lucas. Mm-hmm. If any of our songs has a really stupid rhythm, that's me. Um, so that, oh man, no, we've had, co- not complaint. Oh, we've just, we've struggled with that groove in the past. Well, that breaks so, my brain. When we count it off, we go one, two, three uh, um, okay. uh, uh, uh. but it's kind of like you have to break it down into like a weird dotted thing okay. mm. but honestly if if you're thinking about it you're not feeling it you know yeah. and i've i mean i've played enough rush covers now to kind of understand yeah. that it's like you know you have to let your your soul leave your body and then you'll understand it <laughs> if you try yeah. to like count it's hard yeah counting yeah. you you <sighs> I mean, I feel like that I I recently just got, I mean, I've been a lifelong Rush fan. My dad was a huge Rush fan. Um, by the way, love everything you've done with Why Why Not. I've listened to a lot of that. So that's really cool. Uh, but I just kind of recently rediscovered Alex Lifeson as a guitarist because I just had always focused on Getty Lee and, and, and Neil. The only and, band where the guitarist is underrated. Yeah, the exactly. Other... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and it's also speaking of spill. I mean, we were talking about that before you guys hopped on. That that song absolutely rocks. I I mean, we love the the, the whole new album is great. And I, I guess one of the questions I have is, so I think you've released three albums in the last is it four years? Um, an album and an EP. The first EP, EP is just is just half of the okay. first album. Okay, uh, that was what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. So the recording process for those has have they changed each time you're in the recording studio, or do you try to keep things the same? How does that look? That's his department. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, our first um, EP and the album that was the other half of it, we recorded in a studio that was all analog. Okay. Um, it was all recorded to tape. There's no computers involved in the process. I mean, I imagine until the mastering process, but. That's a secret. Um, so a lot of the stuff was we just tracked a lot of it live first, and then just kind of did overdubs afterwards. But so it's a little more of an organic thing, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. only the only song on Cheap Diction that was the first take was Borders. That was our first live take. Everything else was like the third try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're that. doing pretty good there. Yeah, you're. I mean that's. Yeah, uh, my experience in the studio is uh, I think we use like take sixteen or like twenty two. Or... <laughs> well, it's not we easy it, sometimes. We knew with the analog, we knew it was going to be expensive to to not be prepared for it. So we rehearsed to a click, even though we didn't record to a click. I don't think ever on that record. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but when we went for um, Perpetual Motion Machine, that was a very different experience. We went to my bass mentor, um, Paul Abel's house out in Pennsylvania, um, and then we could we could really fine tune everything more. I feel like you were a lot more involved with that process of like actual recording and engineering, um, producing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So um, so, so um. No, go ahead. Who did your? I mean, th- did you take your uh, recording 
down to somewhere in Nashville to get it done? Um, hey, what was that evolution? Um, okay, so this is a, a multifaceted question. The evolution of your recording process, how did you refine it, and what did you learn along the way through the different albums? And where are you landing now, I guess, hmm. in, in the process that you guys enjoy or you know, taken away from it? I mean, the process continues to change because we we continue to learn things. I think the one thing that we've always been good about is like practicing more than we want to individually and as a group. I've gotten a lot better at practicing individually, actually, because I'm I'm like, I I got it. It's fine. But then, no. <laughs> Studio <laughs> work is totally different. <laughs> yeah. As a singer, I'm always like not worried about it. But as a bass player, I'm like, oh, it's how fast now? You know, with I want it faster. But like, I don't know, with Motion Machine, we knew most of what we wanted to do, except with the title track, I think. And so then we just went with, you know, like drums and then bass and then guitars and vocals and stuff like that. Um, and then he mixed it all obsessively over it for a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> I always love that when I have to hear my own voice coming through the house. Like, like, yeah, ah. right, nice and loud. Ah. <laughs> Can I redo that? No, goddamn. Um, but right now, um, we've kind of been dabbling in our home studio recording here because I'm trying to record and write at the same time as recording, which I haven't done. Um, my solo album, which he's helping me produce. I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I mean, I mixed the whole uh, second album. We had somebody else master it, and or I guess it's an EP. I don't know if we call it an album. But yeah, well, yeah I've been uh, just throwing a bunch of money into recording gear here. So, I mean, I think the more we can just do ourselves, the yeah. more practical it becomes. We can take our time. Lucas, I, I, I feel like you're money. a beautiful mind. You're more than just a guitarist. <laughs> you're a man of Truly. few words with many talents, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. But. I know about that. That's <laughs> accurate. That's accurate. That's why I'm an extrovert. Too humble to brag about yourself. <laughs> I don't even know if it's humility. Maybe it is, but I feel like I'm the extrovert that, that picked him up, and now I'm the one who's always, like, hyping him up. Like, yeah. no, this is my guy. Like, you got to hire this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, everything that you are you guys are doing as far as, you know, putting it out onto mm -hmm. uh, Spotify, every, the, the end results are incredible. You're, you're, you're killing it. Um, Thank you. We really try. some gear. Can we talk about gear? Who likes sure. gear? He yeah. wakes up in the morning and watches videos yeah. about gear. Pretty obsessed. He will listen to people oh. talk about gear where they never ever demonstrate what it is and understand what it sounds like. <laughs> did you uh did you catch Josh Smith's whole I think it was like an hour like Ryan and I were talking about this. It's like an hour long video where he's just looking at boxes of boxes. Boxes of no. guitar pedals. Just yeah. boxes. I, oh. I was I was the loser <laughs> that watched boxes. We Sorry, watched Josh, if you ever watched this. Yeah, I'm I'm the loser that watched the entire uh, yeah. episode. Um, he found this guy down. I forget what state he was in, but it was, was uh, like floor or ceiling Atlanta. of nothing but uh, guitar pedal boxes, vintage ones, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Not the actual. E explain themselves. to us what your um yeah uh, what's what's your pedal board setup and and favorite rig to run, Lucas? Oh um. I recently kind of downsized my pedal board. I just kind of wanted to keep it more simple. 
um, instead of having, you know, five different overdrives that nobody can tell the difference between. <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically, I like to, I generally like to run the amp a little bit dirty and then just kind of boost into it with like a tube streamer. The thing is that when you're running the amp dirty, it tends to be pretty loud. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I have, <laughs> and the sound guys do not like that. So um, mm -hmm. I have a, I recently got a, a pedal that is kind of an amp in a box sort of thing. That's a similar vein of the amp that I have. And I basically, I have the amp turned up really loud and then I use the pedal to turn it down. Uh, yeah, sure. Kind of like an attenuator. Yeah, more or less. And it, that seems yeah. to, I can get a sound that I'm pretty happy with at a volume that the sound guy will be happy with. What's that box that you use? Um, I, it's a Zvex uh, 59 sound is what it's called. Okay. It's a, a variation of their box of rock, which is a pretty popular, like kind of Marshall style thing. But this one's more like a, uh, Fender basement in a box. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And, and guitar wise, uh, what, what, what do you love? I know what you love, but what do you love? <laughs> Well, I've um I've been a telecaster guy for a while now. Um I I never used to be. I always used to like talk crap about them cuz I had a friend who really liked them and I was like, "Man, but I found this one at Guitar Center that I just really vibed with and I yeah. I just kind of got hooked from there." Yeah. Um But you never played it on the most recent album. Yeah, what? well, <laughs> I did. Okay. Um I didn't know that. <laughs> But I um I think what like a year and a half ago or so I got a SG, mm -hmm. um that's kind of inspired me to write. I mean, pretty much the whole most recent um album we did was songs that I wrote inspired by the SG and just something different. Um, but those are my two go-to. I mean, those are the only two electric guitars I currently have. I'm too poor yeah. to afford more. Which is probably a good thing, but <laughs> um, but you know, a different guitar inspires you to play differently. You know, it sure does. Yeah, so you can yeah. never have too many. <laughs> it has its. They uh, they each have we their have own many. flavors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel that way about like every stringed instrument ever. It's like, oh, this is a ukulele song, but it doesn't work on guitar for some reason, and mm. vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just. What, what saw... about you, Patty? Um, uh, as, as far as bass, what what do you uh, what do you connect with? What do you got? So I uh, don't prefer to switch my ba my instrument very much on set. As um, when I was with the Accidentals, um, I had like four instruments I had to switch all the time. I said, "Nope, hate that." So I uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I loved it, but also I was like, "This is too much like athletics." Yeah. Um. So yeah. I'm I just bought a um a Valenti five string jazz bass with Aguilar pickups and it's got like active and passive options oh, nice. and it 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 gives me a little bit of that like drive and that active sound that I really like. Um and that's that's my baby right now. I've definitely been more aggressive at playing. And then I also have a P bass just because it it's got a very like very different thing that for like the singer songwriter stuff, I don't mm -hmm. think the active bass will really work as well. But 
yeah yeah it's more of a mellow sound kind of a a, a foundational type of tone right yeah 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 um and then like my favorite pedal you bought me for christmas a couple years ago is my my yyz you bought three of my bass pedals for me i love it (laughs) he does all the research and then (laughs) i get the present that's great Very Lucas, strategic. can you send my wife some recommendations for Christmas presents? That'd be great. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna oh, yeah. use you to do my shopping. <laughs> just let me know what wife. you're into. I'll yeah, I'll that'd find be something for you. Yeah. No, I think I saw the video, uh, Patty, of you uh, shopping for that Valenti. I think you had like posted it. Yeah. That was I like that's the funny thing. How we all like, I mean, Lucas watches gear videos. How we can all just sit and watch someone else shopping for a guitar or a bass and be just as excited as that person that's going to make that purchase. Yeah, it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, that was fun. Shout out to Low End Bass Shop in Nashville. (laughs) Yeah. So when you guys go uh, check new instruments out, I mean, what do you typically do? Like run it through the paces? I mean, are you playing the same riff on each one? Are you just kind of seeing how it connects? What's your uh, process look like? Well, step one is I always bring Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, every time. Yeah. Uh, we recently bought um, this, uh, it's a Taylor something or other uh, acoustic because I wanted, mm-hmm. I was playing an ovation um, and it, as much as I loved it as a live instrument, I, the neck didn't feel right. I bought this guitar on that, my first acoustic online without mm-hmm. ever playing it. Don't do that. No. That's my first recommendation. But um, I really liked the way this one felt. Um, and then I always, yeah, I definitely, I do have my go-to riffs and things. I always play like Limelight by Rush. <laughs> and then when I was shopping for bass, every time I pick up a bass, I am playing Heart of the Sunrise by Yes. Every time. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we always, we test everything out. And then he always tells me to buy something more expensive. And then I do. If you're spending a thousand dollars, just spend another. What's another thousand? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At some point, it it actually makes you know, it's fiscally more responsible. You're gonna lose money in the long run by not spending that extra thousand. I think <laughs> maybe. I mean, I know when you bought your SG, how many SGs did you play leading up to that? Um, probably only a few, but. I don't know. For me, the process, um, I guess for electric guitars, is when I pick one up, I first just play it unplugged. Yeah. You know, and if it's if it's loud, if you can feel the body resonating, yeah, um, that's a good sign. You know, there's a lot of guitars out there that you can, you know, hit an open E chord or whatever, and it just kind of sounds dead, dead and lifeless, unplugged. Yeah. And I find that if it sounds good unplugged, then it's going to sound good plugged in um so that's the most important thing i think for me is to yeah try it out you know like she said don't buy a guitar online without trying it out first it was blue it's in my very defense. tempting sometimes you know <laughs> but so you know. you're trying out a couple of sgs did you go in wanting an sg or were you just looking for something with double humbuckers or was it just kind um, of a well, my Telecaster is a it has an ash body, um, uh-huh. so it's quite heavy. Um, so my the thing I was looking for was a guitar with humbuckers that was light, 
and you know that's an SG. You know, Les Paul is going to be even heavier, and <laughs> so um, plus I am, you know, ACDC is kind of my guilty pleasure band, and yeah, I there's nothing guilty about that. You know, I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and and SG is just it has a little bit of kind of bite and twang to it. It's kind of one step closer to a Telecaster than a than like a Les Paul maybe, or at least yeah. like a modern Les Paul. Um and you know, the Telecaster has become my comfort zone. So having something that has humbuckers but is, you know, light and you know, is not too far away from that sort of like snarly bite that I like. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what inspired me to go for an SG. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I mean, I, I think I've only ever played a handful of SGs, never owned one, but I, I can sort of understand what you're saying for it's similar in the sense that you can really like dig into it. Like you can with the Telecaster. I just always yeah. think of a Telecaster as just like the workhorse of the industry. I mean, True. it's been yeah. around for forever. <laughs> Leo Fender hit it out of the park, you know, the first first try on those. So, yeah. yeah, I'm always like, I don't, I don't go that much into gear, but it's actually incredible how different your Telecaster and my Telecaster sound. Mm. Like, yours has like more personality than mine, and mine is just yeah. like clean, straight across. <laughs> I I don't know, which I like for me. Yeah, it's. Mine's more modeled after, you know, the like classic butterscotch black cards, the yeah. very early telecasters. Um, it has like the ashtray bridge and Okay. So you have um, like the barrel uh uh saddle. Yep. Yeah, the, the three saddle three barrels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. I I think they sound better. Yeah. <laughs> they're it's they're more difficult to intonate, but it's it's yeah. just like fatter and twangier. Hmm. I love those. Love them. Awesome. So what uh what was kind of a what I should say what what advice do you have for younger musicians who are wanting to start to tour, record, gig, you know, just, just starting take their out. music more seriously. Yeah. Well, one thing that um that Patty actually said a while ago that has kind of stuck with me and I might be paraphrasing this. Okay. Is the difference between musicians who are able to be successful and those who are not is that successful mission musicians finish things to get things done. You know, if it's not absolutely like, I think that there's a big tendency to just sit on things and try to perfect them. And then before you know it, it's been two years and you haven't released the song and it's like, you kind of just got to get it done and move on to the next thing, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, that was really wise of me. Um, I couldn't have said <laughs> it better myself. <laughs> it was something like that. that. Sounds that sounds right. It's advice that I need to start taking. <laughs> it's a good reminder, right? Yeah. Good reminder. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. I always love it when you have your own words thrown back in your face. It's always uh, great. Yeah. yeah, he does it every day of my life. <laughs> He's like, "What you said," and I was like, "That applies to you." <laughs> Not me. How dare you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the other the other thing that I would say is to just like really go to a lot of shows and like study. I don't want to say study as much. Like you don't have to dissect everything, but like I find that I'm a much better musician when I'm watching other musicians or just listening to a bunch of new music and maybe even if it's not in the realm that I normally would. I mean, 
uh, I don't know, just like be open to that and lean on your community because I think we waited a little too long, maybe even to like get started on Patreon and stuff like that. Like, I mean, depending on where you're at, it might be like daunting to start like a platform where you're like, oh, you know, help, help fund my music and I will just give you extra music and stuff like that. It's kind of a weird concept yeah. to, 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 you know, figure out how you would set something like that up. But, um, yeah, it's been really nice to like lean on our community because we, it's, I don't know, art is important and it's nice to find people who agree with that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And just other people who will like, not even just like fund you, but, you know, help support you or like give you advice or sell your merch or yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, you don't have to do it all yourself. More advice that I should take. <laughs> yeah. So, so when it comes to, you know, the booking, the, uh, you know, uh, networking, how have you guys been able to, um, and, and what connections, not specifically, but like what kind of connections are you like looking to kind of drive those next stepping stones to kind of meeting those goals? Yeah, that's the question in December, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we, we got a booking agent um last year her name is Regine um we're with Black Oak Artists and um they they help a lot of like independent artists and um i don't it, it really does feel like a a community like kind of family thing cuz i never feel like they're just doing this to make money or like they're going to drop me if something is weird have a weird month or something like that um so i i'm really grateful to have her doing that because that means that and that's the biggest that's the hardest thing to do as an artist like even me i'm very administratively like inclined like i'm good at that stuff but because i'm so like personally attached to it it just it's really really hard um so i'm glad that we we have found her to help us out and she actually is the one who suggested that we apply um to be on the rock boat um oh yeah in in january of, of this coming year and I was like, I never heard of that. It sounds cool. Uh, and then we we won the soundcheck competition, <laughs> so we're going to be on this cruise. And from that, I was able to do like um, sixth man does uh, uh, sixth man sessions. So I already went on a cruise uh, last month and uh, was on my first like songwriting retreat. We like collaborated in over the course of four days or something. We wrote and recorded nine songs. Um, me and like six or seven other artists. Um, and awesome. so just more of that, more, I just want to be around more touring musicians and, um, I don't know, just see new things, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> has what are we moving, trying to do in 2024? I don't know. <laughs> has moving to Nashville, have you noticed seeing a lot more of those doors open up and it being more noticeable for you to network then? Um, Yes. I mean, we still have a lot of connections to Michigan. Like our agent, actually, we got her after moving to Nashville, but she lives in Michigan. She saw me in (laughs) Michigan. And that's when she said, (laughs) oh, I want to book her. Um, Uh, And then like the accidentals have been a huge part of my network. Um, Amber mm -hmm. Beist, their manager as well. Um, And but they're also Michigan, but they live down here. So it's it's we have our own little Michigan pod down here. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's interesting about Nashville compared to like our city is that there's a lot more things that are like musician networking event, like, yeah. okay, so I don't just have to show up to a 
predetermined group of people and try to like break in it's like okay there's a lot of people trying to also meet people um and it could be awkward sometimes but honestly it's it's really nice to know you're walking into a place on like i want to say like level playing ground but like it everybody's just trying to mingle and that's kind of that's kind of nice yeah um yeah so nashville's got a lot of unique opportunities for collaboration and stuff yeah definitely yeah Yeah. that's great um justin you want to well, okay. I'll, I'll just ask it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so what was uh, a, a nightmare situation where you guys were on stage and you were like, oh, Lord, make it stop. <laughs> I want a May Day. Have you ever had one of those situations? I have three in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell the Atlanta story because that's iconic. Um, <laughs> I like that word. Um, <laughs> I don't know that story. It was memorable. Um, I will say there was one night where we'd played a gig in Ann Arbor and we'd only played this bar once before. And the one time, the play, time we played it prior, it was a packed house. We were opening for a band. We we're like, oh my gosh, this is like awesome. Great opportunity. Sick. Can't wait to go back. And then we showed up. It was a Thursday night. Nobody knew about the show. The show that was happening before ours got canceled. So I don't know if anybody knew the bar was even open. Um, And it was really snowy, like icy, dangerous. And like two people showed up. And it was... Like it just it it was just because of the expectation and all the hustle and all the effort that we took to like get over there. You know, if it was a local show to Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. like it would have been like, okay, whatever, you know, just go home. But it was like, no, you have to like stew in it for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it was like the first time I had to talk to a manager and be like, just have them be like, Yep, you're getting paid nothing and here's why, and just be like, Okay, like feeling like you're in the principal's office. <laughs> um, but it's rough. Yeah, but that that is the show that I wrote um, I Dabble in Rainbows about because it was just like, yeah, it sucked, but we still had fun like afterwards and hanging out with each other, you know? Yeah. Like, we've probably had some like disputes and things in the band, but like never about something like that. Nobody in the band's ever taken like a bad show personally. We're all just like miserable together, you know? Oh, but then there was Atlanta. Yeah, we played this show in Atlanta that was, um, it was a pain to get there. It was a pain to load in. We had to like go in this alleyway kind of behind the bar that we weren't supposed to be in. But the bar was like, oh, it's fine as long as you unload and then get out of there. But it was just hard to get the car in there. And then we get there and there's nobody there. I think one of the, there was a couple bands that played before us. Um, One was just a solo act who, brought like a couple people and then he left shortly after with those people and the band that played before us only their bass player stayed to see us so it was basically just this one guy and the sound guy there and you know and patty set up like a a video stream of it so we were able to like just kind of have some of our fans like chip in with tips and stuff to be like so there's somebody watching but it was just we were all pretty defeated after that and as we were loading out um our drummer at the time, Alec, was um, in the side door of the van putting some stuff in there. And there's a bar kind of above where the show was. Um, and I guess one of the like bar backs came out with this bucket of ice. And just like thinking that there was nobody in the alley, just dumped the ice all over top of our drummer. 
just oh. as he was in the van, just this huge bucket of ice. And it was just kind of one of those moments where it's like, we can't even really be mad. This is just such a comically bad day. Yeah. It just feels like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. Yeah. We were going to stay with just some random people in Atlanta that night, but we were just like so defeated. We we're just like, we're just going to drive back to Nashville. We just don't even want to be here anymore. Yeah. This sucks. We're going yeah. home. Fortunately, yeah. it's not too far of a drive, but yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So on the on the flip side of that, what's kind of been the pinnacle of a live show um, for you guys? I mean, I'm thinking Mile of Music, probably. We've had a lot of good ones this summer, actually. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, we've been told about Mile of Music. Um, it's in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's all original music. You're not allowed to play covers. Um, and they take really good care of you. They give like musicians, it's first come first serve, but they have like healthcare and like oh, wow. mental health and discounts. All like all the little shops around town have discounts and stuff. Um, and they pay you well and feed you all week. Um, and we were just like in this courtyard for like the Hilton up there. And all of a sudden we, I don't even know how many people were there. I, I could not quantify the number of people that were there, but it was <laughs> packed. And we had just released our album, our EP, um, and I planned it around Milo Music because I was like, I've heard good things. I think this is going to be the day. Like, this is going to be the time to release it. And I, I calculated that well because it just felt so nice to release something and not stress about selling tickets to something and just be like, this is our new music and just have like a bunch of people I've never seen um, just really into it. Um, and yeah, and they invited us back to play New Year's. So. Um, oh, that's awesome. should be exciting this year. Yeah. yeah. That uh, that for me was like the highlight of, you know, I was like, you know what? For every stinker, there's one of these. There you go. <laughs> there you so, go. I don't know about you. Um. Yeah. I mean, the mile of music was really good. Um, we also played this uh, festival in um, Hastings, Michigan hmm. on the past summer. Uh, um, I forget what it was called. Fairground Festival. Fairground Festival. First it was annual. the first time they ever did it. But we, we were the second band playing, but the band or the crowd there was really big. And it was just one of the just like best performances we've been able to do throughout the whole tour, I think. We just were all really hyped and really confident with how we played. And, and then we were, like I said, we were the second band to play. So after that, I got to just kind of grab an entire <laughs> bottle of wine from the green room. <laughs> to yourself well there was all this wine in the green room that nobody else was drinking so yeah. i'm just like i'm i'm just gonna find it's a there chair and vibe for a while yeah. you know <laughs> why not yeah. we almost never run up our entire tab at a set so him taking a bottle of wine is like a big deal in this band yeah. it's like whoa yeah. um, but the headlining act for that um, festival was uh joseph i don't know if you're familiar with them but they were just phenomenal and it was sister a trio really good time Mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. So good. Awesome. Well, I mean, we, again, we just thank you. I mean, obviously, this is we're still new into this whole process, so we're kind of working out the kinks and what kind of questions we need to be asking. Um, but we, again, just thank you so much. And I, I know you guys just released Perpetual Motion Machine this year. Uh, seems like it's doing really, really well. Obviously, you guys had a pretty successful tour on it, too. Are you planning on touring more on that album in 2024 or is it just kind of you leaving it open i mean i know you said 
taken this month to kind of figure that out. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely still going to be playing the record and kind of rocking the set. We're just kind of fine tuning it and um, mm-hmm. coming up with some new tricks of our, of, of our sleeve for the rock boat specifically, because we've got four shows on the boat and we're trying That's to awesome. figure out how to like give some variety. Um, and then, like I said, I'm doing some uh, recording a solo record mm-hmm. right now. We're recording my solo record right now, um, which I'm not trying to tour too heavily, but it's just like something I need to get through before we can write the next EP or album. But um, yeah, we're going to continue the perpetual motion machine and <laughs> um, and figure out what's next because we don't know yeah. more. Yeah. What what separates uh, uh, your solo album from the Mayhaps? What's the difference? Um, the Mayhaps is more electric and rocking and more angry. And Lucas writes most of the instrumental part, like most of the guitar and the arrangements. Um, with my solo, it's more like acoustic, uh, sad, uh, poppy. Okay. Yeah, but like you play I think piano a song. On that? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, maybe here and there, like a keyboard thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not really that. I, I don't. I don't hear myself at piano. Also, we don't own a piano as part of it. Um, <laughs> so yeah. But like, I think a song like "Real Problems" is a good example of like where like my songwriting sort of thing comes from because that's like that's like the center of the venn diagram of the mayhaps and me solo i think mm-hmm. so we'll find out yeah so so uh no no tour dates set for 2024 at this point really um we're going on a short tour in january leading up to the rock boat um yeah i know we're playing the basement in nashville i know we're playing smith's old bar in atlanta I know who we are. No, shush, no, that happened somewhere else. Um, um, and then we're playing somewhere in Tallahassee, Riverside, cool. something at the Riverside. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be up and down Michigan and Wisconsin and Illinois, Indiana. I'm sure if Goshen asks us back, we'll probably go too. So rock and roll. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I love the shirt that you're repping too. I missed that there one. You go. That's so cool. Who did your artwork? Um, that's Don Aquarius. And it's kind of inspired by like a Jimi Hendrix yeah, uh, design. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing. I steal <laughs> my wife bought this shirt from you and I I steal it from her. <laughs> that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, rock and roll, guys. Uh Patty, Pershala, and the Mayhaps. Lucas and Patty, you guys are rock stars. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, we just wish you the best for 2024. And uh, we want to see you guys blow up, have fun, and uh, yeah, just keep on rocking. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Congrats yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it.
and the upcoming baby it sounds like congrats on that yeah song. that's um <laughs> yeah just trying to get sleep while i can so <laughs> yes yeah. no idea that's how i feel prepping for like while i'm not on tour <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, same situation same exact same exact yeah, yeah, situation totally.